0: feel that sometimes your life or those of a loved one are complicated and out of control you're not alone welcome to in the ring with mia featuring five time world and international boxing champion mia st john mia and her guests will share stories and invite open discussions about topics that need to be discussed you'll be empowered to find help or be help now here's your host mia st john
1: julian for justice this is an interactive group community forum that we're all going to participate in. If you see a photo, a story, a loved one that has a mental illness or a friend, I'm sure you know someone, then let's post some information about them. Let's grow together with mental health awareness.
2: So-
3: and you just heard that from Christoph St. John before he passed away. He was speaking out about mental health after his son, my brother, Julian, committed suicide. And not long after that did he die of a similar way. You are back.
4: In the ring.
3: And on stage.
4: With Mia.
3: And Paris. Saint Saint John. Saint (laughs) John. We could use a little practice on that. I think we, do we are a, a mother-daughter daughter duo who bring the best of both worlds together.
4: Generation X
3: and millennials.
4: Athletes and artists. And artists. To fight for mental health, addiction, alcohol recovery, and social change.
3: And to use our voice to create a new world one in which we live our full potentials and a world in which the loved ones that have passed away get a second chance and are still here with us. Today's show, Friday, June 19th, 2020, is Black Mental Health Matters.
1: I have three words today. I have a sentence, which would be, Fight against the corrupt, inadequate healthcare system. Fight for those who cannot fight for themselves anymore. Happy Friday. I don't have three words today. I have a sentence, which.
3: Why does black mental health matter? Why does it matter to me? And why is it relevant during these times? I saw that these experiences of being black being affected by a mental health issue, being traumatized by something, and being a part of a a society that doesn't fully support or offer healing, self-expression, and being unlimited, I realize that all of these play an important part in in my life, in my families, and in the world. So the answer to what I and some of us have been looking for just might be in Black mental health mattering. What does Black mental health matter mean? So first, it means like exactly how it sounds. It's not just the color of their skin that matters, but what's going on beneath their skin, their individual experiences, as a human being and being of Black race and roots. Secondly, if mental health is already hard for people to talk about and support in general, I think it can be even harder to talk about it and support it for people of Black background. So let me tell you what that means. I think that sometimes we expect are Black people to be tough, especially since they might have greater issues or have been through worse than their emotional ones. And also, there might be a stigma that Black people with mental health issues are simply crazy and don't deserve treatment because they're already on such high scrutiny and surveillance for doing anything wrong. So God forbid they admit they have di- uh, depression or bipolar, anger management, etc which might otherwise be better received and understood and treated when it is a white person. What Black Mental Health Matters also means is that that it's not just as human beings that they're going through something underneath their skin, but it is about the skin of their, it is about being Black of being a Black person. They, we have been through a lot of our own struggles being Black. The pain that stems from slavery. You know, slaves would sing songs to express their experiences, and they were passed down from generation to generation. Continuing on, blues was created, jazz, spoken word poetry was created, rap, hip-hop, and so much more kind of music and art was created by Black people to express some form of pain and experience, whether it was slavery or discrimination, injustice, or just feeling less than an equal, and unequal. Another reason why Black mental health matters... (laughs) is because they have pain and experiences other than just being black, just like any other human being. They can have a mental health issue. They can have an addiction. They could be a part of the LGBTQ community. The point is, is that they don't deserve to be discriminated by the color of their skin, nor with what's underneath it and who they are on the inside. The way in which Black mental health can be implemented is by continuing to create a safe and encouraging space around us for people of Black race to express their feelings, their pain, to express themselves, to be open and real about themselves and to channel their pain in more and more art. If my dad and brother would have focused more on the healing of their pain rather than staying stuck in the pain itself, and if we provided a safe atmosphere for them to do so in our society, their lives could have been saved. They both tried and made positive choices and changes throughout their life and they made it far in their own ways, but there's still more work that needs to be done and I'm going to finish this work We are going to finish this work for future generations because this is not just a civil rights movement. It's a mental health movement as well. My dad had a lot of pain underneath his skin, aside from just being black. He was overworked as a child actor and took care of his parents for the rest of his life with the living that he made. He was taken into a cult by his family and was molested by the cult leader. My dad also struggled with depression, addiction, and alcoholism throughout his entire life. Here is a clip of him talking about the cult.
1: In a remote village in Southern India, an American show business family filmed a documentary about a world famous holy man who 50 million people call god echelon positions in governments that have followed this man that look the other way when it comes to the corruption this man is he's a pedophile
2: I have a quick question
3: what helped him in his life on his mental health and healing journey was his job, acting, he exercised, script writing, and directing, film directing, his family, and music. He played guitar, he wrote songs. He was active in each of these things, but I don't think he dived enough into it or tried new things that he always wanted to do to heal from his pain. Here's a clip of him as a child actor.
2: She is. I know when you left him, so you gotta take the good with the bad. Well, you get a lot more bad than good. She'll run around with other men. I don't care, just as long as she comes home to me. She can't, she can't even cook. The only thing I eat, peanut butter and jelly. She drinks and smokes. She can stop. I did? <laughs> Sid, can I have a drink? This love stuff, stuff sure makes me thirsty. <laughs> but of
0: course.
5: <laughs> you know, I don't know whether to get him a Dr. Pepper or a dry martini. You know, maybe we can get him to join a singles club.
3: <laughs> I've enjoyed looking back. Uh, and my dad's experience throughout his life and what we can learn from him and his, what his voice would still be today. As we go on commercial break, I'd love for you guys to see how black mental health matters in your own life if you come from a black background. And when we come back, we're gonna hear from my mom about her point of view and her experiences watching my dad and my brother deal with being black, having a mental health issue and an addiction and so forth. And then we will talk about how we can implement mental health in each of our lives. Stay tuned.
2: Become our friend on Facebook.
1: Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash
0: Voice America. We'd like to thank you for listening to In the Ring with Mia. When not on set, she's busy helping the less fortunate through the Mia St. John Foundation. And now, Mia could use your help more than ever. By visiting her at her website, MiaStJohnFoundation.org, and making a donation, you help create a safe place for those suffering from mental illness homelessness, and addiction. So don't delay. Visit MiaStJohnFoundation.org today and help us make changes in the lives of those who need it the most. In my career as a professional boxer,
6: I've knocked out many opponents in the ring. Now I need your help to knock out my toughest opponent yet, the stigma surrounding mental illness. I'm on a personal mission to help people understand that with the right kind of support, individuals with mental health conditions can live productive lives. And that's why I serve as a board member for Step Up, a national nonprofit organization headquartered in Santa Monica, California, that is helping save the lives of young adults and others with serious mental health conditions across the country. Step Up also works to end homelessness for this group of individuals. I urge you to go to their website at www.stepuponsecond.org and get involved in the fight today. Together, you and I can knock out stigma once and for all. Okay, so let me talk to you for a moment about my favorite cosmetic dentist, Dr. Lawrence Rifkin in Beverly
5: Hills because anyone that knows me knows how important my teeth are especially having boxed for over 20 years Have you ever wondered how your favorite stars have such flawless smiles? Have you ever seen a star with a noticeably fake smile? The difference between the two is the cosmetic dentist they chose. Dr. Lawrence Rifkin has been a dentist to the stars in the heart of Beverly Hills for the past 30 years. His patient are the elite of all industries and have a discerning eye for quality so if you're looking for a Hollywood smile makeover that looks so natural you can keep it a secret Dr. Lawrence Rifkin is the cosmetic dentist you should consult with his experience as a pioneer in smile makeovers along with him also being a professional sculptor has made him a leader in creating beautiful smiles as well as all your dental needs from the simplest to the most complex please don't wait and visit DrLawrenceRifkin.com or call 317 02730200
1: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time the number 1 internet talk station
0: where your opinion counts.
1: Voiceamerica.com
0: You're listening to In the Ring with Mia. To reach Mia St. John or her guest on today's show, call in with questions or comments to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to Mia St. John blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back in the rings.
3: You are back in the ring and on stage with me and Tara St. John, who are giving a voice today for the black community, giving a voice to my father, Christophe St. John, and my brother, Julian St. John, who have both passed away from their own struggles. You are listening to one of my brother's beats. He made some really cool music. really cool hip hop music we're going to talk about my brother this segment hearing from my point of view and my mom's point of view i'll lead us in by introducing him as a beautiful wise soul wasn't meant for this world he was beyond his years he was an artist he was part black like myself, grew up with mixed races, mixed cultures, in a, div- in a divorced, a divorced, a divorced family. He had struggles of his own, grew up with mental health issues, addiction. I just don't think he knew what to do with all the gifts that he was given. I think it was too much for him, and he didn't see a place for him to fit in in the world. He channeled his pain through his artwork and through music. Let's hear from my mom's point of view about Julian St. John growing up, being Black, with mental health issues. Thank you, Paris.
4: That was such a beautiful first segment, and it just ugh, makes me so sad, like, you know, when I hear your dad's voice, because he was such a beautiful soul, and and your brother, my son, um, I think about how much he struggled throughout his life, and, you know, I think that, you know, just for any mixed family, it's difficult, and I just thought you know, for me growing up, too, I was mixed as well, and I had such a difficult time, and I just always thought, well, you know, that was the 70s era, the 80s, and, you know, surely by the time my kids grow up, it'll be different. You know, they're not going to have to struggle, and me and your father really did not think about that, that we thought that times have changed, and we could see now, you know, with everything that's going on, that really not much had changed. So, you know, when you kids were growing up, you know, we wanted you to have a great education. All the things that we didn't have, right? Parents always say that, like, we want our kids to do better and have better than what we had, and you know, we didn't have money growing up, but, you know, you and your brother did, because your dad had, you know, such a great job on an awesome TV show, you know, he was on Young and the Restless for almost 30 years, and before that, he had acted on, you know, sitcom after sitcom, and, you know, we thought, okay, this is going to be great, you know, they're not going to have to struggle, and but he did, and you know, we had you guys in all, living in all white areas and all white schools, and we thought that that's what was going to be best. But, you know, we found out as you guys were growing up that what was really best was multicultural settings. Um, when we had taken you out of a certain school and put you in a multicultural school, you guys did much better. But, you know, for Julian, he still struggled, you know. I mean, he was such a beautiful child. I mean, both of you were. Um, He had gorgeous, big lips and dark eyes and long, curly hair. And and I just thought that was, like, so beautiful. But he really struggled with that. He hated his lips, um, which to me were just so beautiful. And his nose and, you know, his, his black features that you know, he was made fun of for and I could never understand that because he was such a beautiful child. Um, And then, you know, when he started getting into trouble, um, you know, my son had schizophrenia and, um, you know, it was always... He was misunderstood, so he was always, like, in and out of jail for petty crimes, you know, possession and things like that. And he one day asked me, Mom, I just, I don't know where to sit, who to hang out with. And I said, What do you mean? And he said, Well, when you go into jail, you got to kind of pick a group. Are you with the Mexicans? Are you with the whites? Are you with the blacks? And I never know where to go. And I never really thought about that, like how difficult it was for him because he really, he identified with all three but probably mostly either his white side or his black side, Um, even though he was raised by... I wasn't raised with my white family. I was raised with my Mexican family. So I know that he was very comfortable with that, but I'm not sure he identified with that group. Am I right, Paris?
3: I got I went through the same struggles of not knowing how to identify and I was I wanted to fit in with them all but I also felt ashamed of being each of those races and it wasn't until I was able to see it wasn't it wasn't until I was able to love every part of myself that I began identifying more with each race, but mainly being black. And I think same with Julian. I think when we really just got more comfortable in our skin, we really were able to be who we were meant to be in the world. And I think that has a lot to do with being black and black culture.
4: Yeah. And I know that you dealt with that too. Um, I remember you dealing with the color of your skin and never wanting to be too dark. You never wanted to get a tan and I never quite understood that because that was the thing. Like everybody wanted to be dark. Everybody wanted to be tan and and you were so beautiful and you dealt with your hair, your hair, which was so long and curly and beautiful. And I remember you straightening it. Do you remember that for years? You would straighten your hair.
3: Yeah, I talked a lot about that on the first show we did about Black Lives Matter last week.
4: <laughs> yeah. And then you got to a point where you were just really comfortable with your hair and
3: so much and so how that you I actually and, shaved it off, which is ironic, but I just stopped caring about following um the trend. The, the, yeah.
4: And and you were you know, just as beautiful as Julian was, and still I couldn't understand the struggle really, even though I did the same thing. I mean, you remember I used to tell you that when I was a kid, like, I mean, I had really curly hair too, and I would, um, did everything I could to straighten my hair, and I even bleached it, um, uh, which you have done as well. But back in my day, like, we were so poor. Like, we didn't have bleach, so I would peroxide it. And you know what peroxide does? It turns your hair, like, completely orange. So here I was with this big, huge, curly orange hair. And, you know, oh, my gosh. I don't know if I even told you this, but as a kid, like, I used to put um, a nose pin. Not a nose pin, but a pin on my nose. You know, one of those clothes pins? I would sleep with one at night to try and make my nose smaller. (laughs) Little did I know that when I woke up after like an hour, it would go right back to its normal size. I did that with my lips too because I had naturally big lips and I would put pins on my lips to try and make them smaller and did all these crazy things like just to try and fit in because I was made fun of too, you know. But when I was a kid, like, kids didn't really know what I was. Like, they didn't know. Like, for a long time, they thought I was black because of my curly hair and my big nose and my big lips. And so I was called nigger lips and spear checker and jungle bunny and um, really, like, mistaken a for of, being
3: a You were also mistaken for being Asian.
4: Yeah. So when I was
2: little, people were,
4: like, my hair before my hair really grew out big, um, I was called chink and, you know, china girl and this and that. So, it just went from what They never got it right. just went one, one, one race to another, whatever I was, you know, whatever they could think of. Um, but it was quite torturous. And I remember even... I got to the point where I started bleaching my face and... I actually bleached my face until I was like in my, I think in my thirties, you know, until finally I just said, screw it. Like my face is dark. Cause I remember kids, when I was a kid, they used to say, wipe the mud off your face and get that dirt off your face. And so that made me real self-conscious about my complexion. But, you know, I got to a point in, life where, because there was a long time where I was going to have a nose job and I just decided at some point, you know what, forget it. Like, I'm just just despite everyone you know, and all the racism I'm going to keep my nose just like it is. And so to this day, you know, I never did get a nose job. And I mean, a part of it was because I was boxing for so long and and there was always injuries to my nose, so I couldn't do that. But I didn't, if, I just never would have thought when me and your dad worked together that we would ever have kids that would experience what we did. And Christoph, you know, your dad went through so much struggle himself with being black. I mean, I can't tell you, Paris, even before you were born, he had so many nose jobs trying to make his nose smaller. And, and, you know, your dad was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, he was known for being gorgeous, those big lips of his. and But yet he went through the same thing, and he would always... We had so many conversations at night after work. He would tell me, you know, I am I don't fit in with the blacks. I don't fit in with the whites. I don't know where I fit in. And I think that's why me and your dad got along so well, because we shared the same struggle. You know, like, I didn't know where I fit in. Am am I Mexican? Am I white? Um, The whites always thought I was, you know... Obviously, I didn't fit in with them, because I was too dark to be in their crowd. And with the Mexicans, I wasn't Mexican enough, you know, because I didn't speak full Spanish, you know... And so I kind of made up this own group that was already made up, um, for us back in the day. We were called Chicanos and, and I always said, Mexican American, for me, I'm not a Mexican American. I'm the hyphen in between. I am a Chicana and that was a sign of the era. You know, those of us that didn't, didn't fit in back then, we were the in between
3: and i very love your perspective about your experience your experiences with your shared your shared experience the relatable experience between you and dad both being both being of mixed races not knowing where you belong and the pain of being that race and when we come back i want to hear more about your experiences with dad watching him with mental health, issues, addiction, and more of his um, black history.
5: Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey,
0: Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast
2: on TuneIn.
5: Okay, so let me talk to you for a moment about my favorite cosmetic dentist, Dr. Lawrence Rifkin in Beverly Hills, because anyone that knows me knows how important my teeth are, especially having boxed for over 20 years. Have you ever wondered how your favorite stars have such flawless smiles? Have you ever seen a star with a noticeably fake smile? The difference between the two is the cosmetic dentist they chose. Dr. Lawrence Rifkin has been a dentist to the stars in the heart of Beverly Hills for the past 30 years. His patients are the elite of all industries and have a discerning eye for quality so if you're looking for a Hollywood smile makeover that looks so natural you can keep it a secret, Dr. Lawrence Rifkin is the cosmetic dentist you should consult with his experience as a pioneer in smile makeovers along with him also being a professional sculptor has made him a leader in creating beautiful smiles as well as all your dental needs from the simplest to the most complex, please don't wait and visit DrLawrenceRifkin.com
6: or call 310 Seven three zero two hundred. In my career as a professional boxer, I've knocked out many opponents in the ring. Now I need your help to knock out my toughest opponent yet, the stigma surrounding mental illness. I'm on a personal mission to help people understand that with the right kind of support, individuals with mental health conditions can live productive lives. And that's why I serve as a board member for Step Up, a national nonprofit organization headquartered in Santa Monica, California, that is helping save the lives of young adults and others with serious mental health conditions across the country. Step Up also works to end homelessness for this group of individuals. I urge you to go to their website at www.stepuponsecond.org and get involved in the fight today. Together, you and I can knock out stigma
0: once and for all. We'd like to thank you for listening to In the Ring with Mia. When not on set, she's busy helping the less fortunate through the Mia St. John Foundation. And now, Mia could use your help more than ever by visiting her at her website, miastjohnfoundation.org and making a donation. You help create a safe place for those suffering from mental illness, homelessness, and addiction. So don't delay. Visit miastjohnfoundation.org today and help us make changes in the lives of those who need it the most.
1: Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
0: You are listening to In the Ring with Mia. To reach Mia St. John or her guest on today's show, call in with questions or comments to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Mia St. John blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back in the ring.
1: Day is Friday the weekend is here, do I make myself clear? Let's stay near not far away from each other. Wow. I just
4: I I love hearing that Paris. I I just I can't help but think of like he, Christoph, he was so talented. I, I always told him he was, like, one of the, the best, best actors I had ever seen. Um, he was just such a natural at it, you know? And he always, like, was on set, like, confident. He was, wasn't he just, like, confident with everybody he met Paris? Like he was always just so charismatic.
3: I always wanted and to be like him. I always wish I had his confidence, and that's something that I'll take away from him.
4: I, you know, same here. I always wish I could be more like Dad. But the interesting thing about it that people didn't know is when he
3: came home... What was underneath the skin?
4: What was underneath? Like, when he came home off set, and when he wasn't, quote-unquote, Christoph St. John's um, two-time Emmy Award winning actor, I mean, he was... He was a very, um, he was very unsettled and very, had a lot of demons, um, dealt with a lot, um, a lot of trouble from his past and everything he went through as a child, but he just managed to cover it all up. And I think that that was a big part of the problem, like in our relationship and, you know, cause he just, um, he just could not escape his past and it was just heartbreaking because both of us, you know, had a difficult past. you know? I mean, listen, me and your dad met in Alcoholics Anonymous when I barely had any time sober. He had just gotten out of the hospital and we met, and, you know, within a couple weeks, I mean, we were just madly in love, and, and I remember sitting at Old World Restaurant, um, I believe it was on Sunset back then in Hollywood, and he looked at me, and he's like, do you want to get married? I'm like, sure, okay. You want to have kids? Sure, okay. <laughs> you know, that's just how, how difficult two dysfunctional like alcoholics were, but we had so much in common, you know, that we were both mixed race. We both were addicts and alcoholics and um, everything that we did was 100%. Like, we never did anything half-assed. Everything we did was full force because we were both so passionate about everything that we did, you know. and. I I I was just determined when when your brother was born or when I got pregnant when we first found out that I was pregnant with Julian, we were so ecstatic. And but I was just determined in my mind like I was never going to let my children see me drink or use ever. I was never gonna go back to that life. And dad unfortunately, you know, continued to struggle. Um and was in and out of the program, in and out of treatment centers. And, um, you know, I just feel that he never really got the right treatment. Um, and, be, and a lot of it was because he was an actor, because he was a famous actor. You know, he was always had to be on set and show up and, you know, suit up and show up and put on that fake smile and do his job. And, and, and his job was something that he always did very well. You know, I mean, he, he knew how to play that role. He knew how to play Christoph St. John. I think he just didn't know how to play the role of not being Christoph St. John, not knowing how to live life on normal terms in, in a normal setting, because he grew up as a child actor. I mean, he started acting his first series was at the age of seven on Happy Days. And so he never really got to be a normal child. You know, he didn't know how to be normal. He didn't know how to come home and just be a regular person. And, but he tried so hard. Like, he was the hardest-working father I knew. You know, he wanted so badly to be the father he never had or always wanted, you know, so he was always doing everything he could um, to take us on vacations and take us on outings and, and, and giving us, you know, the best Christmas and Thanksgiving and he really tried so hard and I just think he wasn't really given a chance and, I think that the mental health, um, world just sort of failed him. Our system failed him. You know, let's just be blunt. The system failed him. The system failed Julian. Um, it failed him shortly thereafter. And, um, I don't know if if it had to do... I know with, with Julian, with your brother, it had a lot to do with race. You know, he was put in a, he was in a facility in Compton, Long Beach. And, you know, the, there wasn't a real investigation done on his death. And, and I feel a lot of it had to, uh, had to do with his race because I honestly feel like if he was, if the call had come in for a young white, Deceased male in Beverly Hills, California. Um, there would have been a proper investigation and proper treatment, but because the call had come in a young black deceased male in Compton, California, the same was not given. And and but I think that for your dad, it was more like. Um, you know, he was this famous actor in this facility, and he wanted to get out, and And I feel like that kind of was, um, that's how the system failed him. You know, they didn't want to let him down, and, oh, this is Chris St. John, and, you know, he needs to get back to his show, and, um... So, I think it was kind of a different situation, but either way, it, it, it's a it's a mental health system that, that desperately needs reform, you know, and that's what we're here to do because we've both suffered, you know, the loss of our family members through a failed mental health system, and I know, for me, that I'm going to fight for that for the rest of my life. Um, I know it's impacted your life, Paris, and, and you have a voice now, you know, and, and you can make a real impact on society, and I'm proud of everything that you're doing, that you've been doing, and, and I know that Julian and Christoph are, are looking down and they're, they're together, and as they're proud of you. They're proud of what you're
3: doing. Thank you. I'm seeing that a big purpose for not just me and you, but for those who have passed, my dad and my brother, and for the world, our purpose, or a big part of the world, our purpose is becoming about these joined forces called Black mental health. Matters. I and when these so come together, it
4: can this. be our
3: superpower.
4: You know what's interesting that we're doing this show on June 19th? This is actually what they called Juneteenth. It was the day that the the, the slaves were actually free, that blacks were they actually got their freedom. Um, so... It is interesting that, that this is the day the show falls on.
3: And I'm grateful that we get to have a voice during these times. We're going to take a quick yeah. commercial break. And when we come back, though, you're going to really want to stick around for this part where you can implement mental health mattering in your life, no matter what skin color you are. And first, we're gonna hear from my dad and what he thought was helpful and was helpful.
1: We're gonna try something new. This is going to be three words that you're grateful for. So here's my three words that I'm grateful for. Um, Blue sky and sunshine, it's a beautiful day. That's two words, but I'm making it one. Uh, My dogs, my dogs I'm very grateful for. um, Very grateful for being alive.
3: On the break, please think about three things that you're grateful for, and we
6: will be back.
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, you shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. We'd like to thank you for listening to In the Ring with Mia. When not on set, she's busy helping the less fortunate through the Mia St. John Foundation. And now, Mia could use your help more than ever by visiting her at her website, miastjohnfoundation.org and making a donation. You help create a safe place for those suffering from mental illness, homelessness, and addiction. So don't delay. Visit miastjohnfoundation.org today and help us make changes in the lives of those who need it the most.
5: Okay, so let me talk to you for a moment about my favorite cosmetic dentist, Dr. Lawrence Rifkin in Beverly Hills. Because anyone that knows me knows how important my teeth are, especially having boxed for over 20 years. Have you ever wondered how your favorite stars have such flawless smiles? Have you ever seen a star with a noticeably fake smile? The difference between the two is the cosmetic dentist they chose. Dr. Lawrence Rifkin has been a dentist to the stars in the heart of Beverly Hills for the past 30 years. His patients are the elite of all industries and have a discerning eye for quality so if you're looking for a Hollywood smile makeover that looks so natural you can keep it a secret, Dr. Lawrence Rifkin is the cosmetic dentist you should consult with his experience as a pioneer in smile makeovers along with him also being a professional sculptor has made him a leader in creating beautiful smiles as well as all your dental needs from the simplest to the most complex, please don't wait and visit DrLawrenceRifkin.com
6: or call 310 Seven three zero two hundred. In my career as a professional boxer, I've knocked out many opponents in the ring. Now I need your help to knock out my toughest opponent yet, the stigma surrounding mental illness. I'm on a personal mission to help people understand that with the right kind of support, individuals with mental health conditions can live productive lives. And that's why I serve as a board member for Step Up, a national nonprofit organization headquartered in Santa Monica, California, that is helping save the lives of young adults and others with serious mental health conditions across the country. Step Up also works to end homelessness for this group of individuals. I urge you to go to their website at www.stepuponsecond.org and get involved in the fight today. Together, you and I can knock out stigma once and for all.
1: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. (laughs) VoiceAmerica.com
0: You are listening to In the Ring with Mia. To reach Mia St. John or her guest on today's show, call in with questions or comments to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to Mia St. John blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back in the ring. I started it, but I was on
3: mute. I'm here now.
4: Oh, my God. We are
3: here for our last segment of our show today. We have made it through, and we have talked about a lot and learned a lot. And thanks for sticking it with us, sticking with us through the good fight of Black mental health mattering. Of course, all mental health matters, but it's especially important during this time to encourage Black mental health. a way that I implement this in my own life is by expressing myself, creating art, singing and writing music, getting ready to be able to perform, practicing, roller skating, I love roller skating, dancing, dancing and roller skating at the same time, having a voice during all of these activities that I mentioned and taking up space with it all and not being apologetic about it. Being able to know that this is how I share my story. I share my story through my words and through my art and through my self-expression, my creative self-expression. So the question is, how are you doing this? How can you implement mental health in your own life as a Black person, a person of Black background, race, culture, especially, of course, for everybody? But I'm speaking mainly for the Black community that I'm a part of. How can you express yourself Heal yourself, be yourself, and love yourself. The first thing to do is to just think about how you're feeling, how you felt in your life, your experiences, validate your pain. You have to know that it is okay what with. What you went through is okay, and it is okay to be real about it, and it is okay to express yourself and to share it. So I want to give a voice for you guys to have a voice. Another way to make black mental health matter in your life is to take after my dad's example that I think if he were to continue with and continue making mental health a priority over his pain and past and his difficult experiences, I think if he stayed in the direction of mental health and loving himself from the inside out, like we all have to practice, I think... It would have been a different outcome for him. But he has left us with some, with a, pointing us in the direction.
7: Sorry for that. You know what else matters is having a charged computer and being prepared electronically because I can have all the ideas in the world, but if I don't have the basics together, (laughs) I can't continue to share this message. So my phone, my computer died, and I'm sorry I got caught up. I'm now using my phone to continue this conversation. Please let me know if there are any hiccups from the producers. Would you do that for me? <laughs> Hopefully, all coast is clear for, from here on out. I was going to share a clip, another clip from my dad, where he, had, he was starting to implement um, a very helpful tool along our journey with mental health for everybody, whatever background, race, whoever you are he was saying how let's come up with three words that we can share about how we're feeling so we can just start being real about our feelings and how we can kind of like stop hiding and stop making it a big deal to talk about our feelings and to talk about our mental health. So he was posting frequently Every Friday, coincidentally, he was, because our show is every Friday. And so it's kind of like we're carrying on that tradition and we're going to try to take it all the way home to save more lives this time. And his method was, let's find three feelings. And before we went on this last break, I played a clip of him where he talked about three things he was grateful for, and I hope you were able to think about that, but I think what's more important, before we even get to what we're grateful for, we have to just admit what's going on with us, how we're feeling, you know, whether we're grateful for that, those feelings or not. So, I want to allow us to think about three things, not just three feelings that we're having, but. I think what helps is if we go one step further and we talk about, we're able to express in, in, especially in moments that we're like, maybe like we're not feeling well, you know, we're, we're in a situation we, it's like we could, we almost have the choice to either act in a negative way or take care of it positively and deal with it in a constructive way. And so that's not only by ta- saying and sharing with yourself and with the people around you three feelings that you're having. But also, specifically, three feelings of like go into detail of your why what is going on, like not just three words, but get into detail about how you're feeling and why, and then it'll really help break down get to the root of maybe the the, the surface of the feeling. so I want to get deeper, not just three words, but get deeper into the emotion of it and the reason behind it, and then you can understand yourself more and move forward from it. I have a last message from myself and my mom to end our conversation today on this show, but we're going to continue living this in our lives, Black Mental Health Matters. Mom, thank you so much for allowing this platform to be about this today.
4: Well, thank you so much, Paris. I think you've done such a wonderful job, and all of this is so meaningful and, you know, how Dad was saying, like, three things that he's, he's grateful for. Um, I have my own three things that I remind myself Every single day I wake up, I tell myself, I have my lo- list of everything I'm grateful for, and one of them is always Paris, my darling daughter, that I still have her. And, you know, I'm grateful for what I did have, you know, my my beautiful kids, um, you know, my son, I I had him for 24 beautiful years, and, and the most beautiful husband i I could have ever dreamed of and uh, and the most amazing career I've ever had and and I'm so grateful to have this voice and to have this platform and for all you listeners uh supporting me and through this this journey that we've gone through. And I want to invite you next week because we're going to have more of Paris and more interesting topics and, and remind yourself every day of what you're grateful for. I love you guys.
7: And always be real with how you're feeling and express yourself. Black mental health matters. All mental health matters. We love you guys. Thanks. Love you. Bye.
0: Thank you for tuning in to In the Ring with Mia. Be sure to join host Mia St. John for the next show on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, you are one of the most important people in the world.